how are you? Welcome to episode three of the Spiritual Dad podcast. I'm so excited. Uh, I always say that. I realize that I, I say that in every video, but it's true. And this one, I'm excited in a kind of strange, subdued way because mm, my next guest and I, we in this podcast, we talk so much about death and the dying process. And one thing that I didn't even think about was like, um, you know, being an, uh, an advocate for the dying. And Jeff Taylor, who is the guest this week on the podcast, he is an amazing gentleman. Uh, you know, just one of those really solid, solid dudes. And if you're lucky to have someone like Jeff in your life, you know what I'm talking about. Just solid, just funny, and you can't help it. Just they have one of those faces. I don't know. It just make me smile. But he is a dad. Um, he is a spiritual guy for sure. He has been through uh, so much. His life, his story, it's amazing. You'll you'll uh, listen to that or watch it on the video podcast here. And uh, if, I mean, it's amazing what he's been through and what he's experienced and uh, the loss and the compacted loss. And we talk a lot about how it was compacted in his life um, to a lot of loss in family members and loved ones in such a short time and how that affected his his trajectory of his life to becoming a, a counselor. So this is amazing. The advice here in this podcast, uh, not even advice, I would just say the wisdom that oozes from Jeff. He's just He's just confident in himself, and he, and when we talk here, um, it's really eye-opening how he can be just so here um, and able to share these things that he's been through, um, and you know, seeing that silver lining uh, in life still. So check it out. Enjoy the podcast. Enjoy Jeff Taylor's awesome wit, his intelligence, his huge brain, um, and uh, oh yeah, I should say he's a musician as well. Uh, an excellent musician. He was in the um, Black Boot Trio. Um, he's been in a band called, uh, oh Jesus, how am I forgetting their name right now? Uh, stay, stay, ah, uh, geez. Anyways, it's in the podcast, for sure. It's in the podcast, his band that he's currently in, and they're, they're doing some recording now too, so that's pretty, um, St. Clair. It's called St. Clair. That's the band, of course, yes. So uh, yeah, we talk about that a bit too, but mainly more about more um, spiritual wisdom, uh, just life wisdom, really. And um, talking a lot about death. Yeah, getting comfortable with talking about that that topic a bit more. So enjoy. It's not it's not a blah, blah, blah podcast. It's actually, it's a feel-good podcast as well. And uh, as even though we're talking about the, one of the greatest mysteries in life and, you know, leaving this body, leaving this life. All right, everybody. Namaste. Mm-hmm. Enjoy. Take care. Bye. How are you, Jeff? I'm good. How's it going? I don't even need these freaking headphones now. Like, it's coming out of my skin. Yeah, but it makes you look like, really professional, so you should probably wear them. Yeah, I, just, I did my hair for this. What are you talking about? This is, <laughs> yeah, me too. see glistening sweat now because I'm stressed about the sound. That's crazy. <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah. Oh, cool. So, how are you? Oh, my God. I, I um, Thank you, first of all, for wanting to do this. Yeah. Um, well, kudos to you for doing it. You were one of the first people that came into my mind when I was thinking about doing this. I'm all professional here. This, and then I'm like, yeah, yeah. your mission and passion and like, like, these are very, that's going like huge. And I, <laughs> this is, well, and those like, questions, I mean, that question actually like speaks kind of the heart of the whole thing, like your mission and passion in life. Like, I mean, 
you know, that when I decided to go back to school, like, I mean, I'm old and it's like, was not an undertaking that I took lightly at this point. Um, How old like I really had no mission or passion in life at that point. And that was a real problem, right? Like I'd come through, like I'd lost a lot of people, you know, like my wife Nicole died. Both my parents died the year before she died. Oh, wow. um, my brother in all of that became disabled and had a stroke and my niece died. Like it was just this cavalcade of loss that, and I was like sort of central in all of those, except for maybe my niece, but you know, my brother, my parents and, and my wife, you know, I was caregiver to all of them at one point simultaneously. And, and then one by one, they all sort of disappeared. And I kind of was left in this space of like, well, what do I do now? Like, you know, for five years, I've been doing this really intense thing, but on paper, especially, it didn't look like I'd done anything. Like I hadn't worked, you know, I was a full-time caregiver essentially. Yeah. And I was actually in therapy like for lots of things like for grief and processing all that stuff yeah and uh but one of the big things was like i don't know what to do like i didn't uh the idea of just sort of like when you go through something like really intense like that it's pretty transformative and like the idea of just getting like a job or something just felt like not enough and so i had to do something a lot more meaningful i guess and my therapist actually is the one that said, like, have you ever thought about doing this? And I was like, no, like, I don't have really any background that lends itself to never thought of, you know. Yeah. I mean, while I was, the only thing I ever got to was I thought about maybe becoming a nurse because, all, you know, in those five years, I was, like, you know, merged a lot, like, with either with my parents or with you know, my wife or whatever. And so you're in that environment a lot and you see how it works and like and you realize how useful and helpful that is and so i thought oh maybe i could do that but when she said that i was like oh that's like a really good idea but i had no idea how to begin yeah. so she just laid it out for me she's like go here take this do this and then like in five years like you can do this or that and i'm like okay sign me up like i yeah, you know, amazing that you were and maybe that was foolhardy. Like sometimes I was like, in the last few years, sometimes I've been like, oh my god, what am I doing? Like this yeah. seems crazy. But wow, so cool. So yeah, that's what led me down that path. But like I said, I I had no education that made sense, so I had to do a full undergrad degree first. Wow, okay. in order so, to get into a master's program. Yeah. Um. Wow. Okay. So when you so you never thought about this at all for yourself. Like never even thought, oh, because you, you know, I just figured for to do that for your family, like maybe you'd have that in your life before that, just being able to take care of kind of like the caretaker of the family or something, or the, you know, were you the guy that you could calm everybody down or I think like, like it was really by default, I ended up there, you know, like at the time I was kind of the only one available. Uh, and so I just had to make it work. Like, I didn't really think too much about it. Like, yeah, it just, just seemed like, obviously I'm going to be the one to do this because no one else is available and it has to be done. Like, wow. you know, I, my parents, did, they both were showing signs of dementia early on. And I realized like, oh, they're not going to be able to take care of themselves. And then, you know, wow. um, my brother went through this crazy experience. And at the end of that, 
he needed care and you know same with nicole like they all yeah. like someone i was just the person there and, and so i just did it good? like how about your health your mental health your physical you said you had therapy but how are you feeling now i guess after you know doing that for so long and the care i've had definite periods of burnout throughout that and like there's been episodes where i'm like i can't do this and i don't want to do this anymore yeah. uh i mean grief and loss is like a really crazy transformative experience like i am not in any way the same person i was you know six years ago wow and that's yeah. both good and bad like it permanently changes you sure. um but if you're open to the experience, there's a lot to be gained from it. I know that sounds weird. I mean, you lose obviously a lot, but you know, if you process it, if you're willing to process it, I think you can actually come out of it. But it sounds like you were, because it was a lot of your, really your closest people in your life were getting sick and dying. You, who did you have to talk to you? Did you have anybody to talk to you? Or like besides your therapist, did you have? Well, I mean, I was seeing my therapist through that. Um, and, you know, I had, you know, different sort of. Music? Like I know you were in St. Clair. Actually, you know, that's so weird because I had no time at all for music yeah. through all of that. Like I didn't listen to it. I couldn't even imagine playing it. It was just like, it was gone. And I didn't think that it was going to ever come back. Like, it's been something that's like been a constant in my life yeah. since, you know, my entire adult life. And it was just so gone that after like the dust settled and, you know, like people had died and I was like sort of recovering, I don't, I was like, I don't know if I have any interest left. Wow. And it took a while, like, you know, Nicole, Nicole died five years ago and like I started playing full time in a band, St. Clair, yeah. like three, three years ago. Well, too because COVID year is a non-year so we didn't yeah. nothing happened for us but but it took like two or three years for me to even like listen to music again in the way that I used to be able to listen to it yeah and oh it's I'm happy to say it's fully back now like I'm fully invested in it again and interested but that's great I I was really shocked actually at the time at how like how gone it was like I just my brain had no capacity for it Wow, that's it just seems so trivial, you know. It seemed like a it seemed like a hobby or a pastime, and like when you're dealing with like really serious stuff and life and death stuff daily, it just like there's no room for that in a weird yeah. way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know if that's everyone's experience, uh, and maybe I would have fared better through everything had I maintained some connection to it. It's possible. Yeah, when you say cavalcade of things happening, like how it can happen in such a condensed time in your life like six years ago you say you're a completely different person from six years ago and it's true because at the same time these things happen it's almost like they're like attracted to each other like they pull in like everything starts happening at once is that avalanche like it's a really good analogy i don't know i mean you know it's what's weird about it is i do remember thinking like way before all of this like i, I remember being kind of worried because i had never really experienced any like death in my family like my grandparents died when I was like super, super young. So I never even knew them, right? Like most people naturally, that's the first, you know, in a family, that's often the first experience of death is like your grandparents get old, they die, you know, but your parents are there and you can whatever. I never had that. And, and literally like, I never lost anyone. And I started to worry about it. I was like, oh my God, like I'm due 
I feel like I'm doing something, you know, like when is it going to happen? And then like, it all just happened like in this intense five year period. Wow. Um, yeah. Oh my God. Which was not kind of how I would have preferred no. it to happen. No. But... It's a, you, so would you say that you're like a, a death counselor now? Like you, you, do you go to hospitals no, to work with people that are, I'm not, I'm not any type of counselor at this point. I still got, <laughs> I still got quite a bit of education left to yeah, do, but yeah. <laughs> that's uh, that, never going to stop. I'm sure. Right. You're going to keep on taking things and. Oh yeah. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm almost on my master's at this point after which I call, I should, I can qualify as a practicing psychotherapist in Ontario, awesome. but that's really just the beginning. Like, you know, there's so much to learn. Like the more you learn, the more you realize like, oh my God, there's like so much more to learn. So my original plan, actually, one of the things that, that spurred me on to do this was that I thought about doing some kind of advocacy around end of life and dying. Like okay. not so much counseling, even maybe more like practical stuff. Like when people get really sick or they're dealing with something severe, it's really hard to take care of like the logistics or the communication or the, what do we do? How does the system work? Like, where do we go? And, you know, yeah, totally. and I saw that a need for that when I was in the system and I thought, oh, maybe I can do that. Mm. And that's still something that I might try to pursue uh, since that, like, you know, death doulas have become a lot more common and accepted concept now. Um, and I think that's like a, a fantastic thing that you finally are there. Like, yeah, you know, totally. I, I've, it's yeah. Death doula. I think it's <laughs> crucial. <laughs> yeah. You know? I mean, we have such limited, um, options for dying in the West, especially like we treat death in a weird way. Like, you know, when we talk about having a baby or giving birth, there's like a million and one things and ways to do it and you can have it at home you can do it any way you want you can you know and like death is the other side of that and but we just like hide it away we don't want to deal with it yeah. um you know when nicole died i realized like this isn't really how i would have wanted her to die you know like there's so many more things that you could do and be creative about it oh, okay. to honor the person and so Assisted dying is something that has to, we have to have, and that has to be a thing. Um, choosing how and where and when you're going to die, I think is having some control or agency over that, I think is huge. You know, like, you know, if Nicole could have died with all her friends around her, for instance, in a, you know, in a setting of her choosing whatever, at a time of her choosing when she was still able, like, to communicate or whatever, like that, you know, that, that would have been huge. Um, I think too many people probably die alone or die in like a hospital setting or whatever, you know, and yeah, I don't know how great that is, um, both for them and for the people that they leave behind. So those kind of things I think are going to become more and more important for sure. And do you think it's, why is it the way it was? It was because people were distanced from death and they just wanted to be all clinical and tied up in a nice bow. And People don't want to deal with or talk about things that make them uncomfortable right like yeah. and like you know weirdly you know like i hate to compare these two things but like death and is a lot like having kids like you you intellectually understand what it's about but until you actually do it and experience it firsthand you realize you don't know anything about it right like yeah. you know you like oh yeah let's have a kid and you think you understand that but like actually having a child is a totally different i mean i don't know about you but it was yeah. like 
Oh yeah. It was like, oh, this is kind of different than what I thought it was going to be like to a certain extent, you know. And death is the same thing. It's it's an experience that we all have to experience. Like it's a part of life. Yeah. Uh, but we don't really want to entertain it, and it's also really hard to understand it unless you have gone through it. You know, for sure. Yeah. Like my attitude towards death and dying and loss is very very different than it was before I started losing people. Um, and I, that probably sounds pretty obvious or simplistic, but no, it's really something that I never really thought too much about, you know, on an emotional level before. So, yeah. Okay. And was that your parents, were they not very like emotional about stuff like that? Or like, cause my dad, well, I mean, part, part of it is my own like weird family experience. Like I said, I never had grandparents, so I never went through that stage of loss with and i never saw my parents go through it like i never saw them have to process it so i had i had no experience prior to that but yeah my parents in i'm realizing sort of now later in life that my parents are actually pretty emotionally reserved like my dad was british which i, I think is just a national pastime oh yeah for the brits um so there was not a lot of we weren't not a, we were not a very outwardly emotional family because my experience is probably different than a lot of people's because my oldest son is actually not my biological son. And I moved in with his mom when he was three months old. And I was like 23, like, which is, I think, crazy. When I think about that now, I'm like, oh my God, like I was still a kid. Um, and so in a weird way, like I got to try on like parenting, right? To see if if I liked it, and like when you have a child yourself, you don't really have that option. Like once you have, I you know we could have broken up, I could have moved on, whatever. Yeah. Uh, but I kind of knew right away, like oh, I really like this. Like I kind of want, I kind of want to do this. Um, yeah. I didn't know what was gonna what was coming. You know, like people say, let's have a baby, but nobody says let's have a thirteen year old. Like you know what I mean? Like <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. a totally different game later on. But yeah, and how that speaking of that, like so this time in your life that you've been really changing and transforming through grief work and through uh, counseling and filling your mind and all that. What about your sons? Like, what about your kids? How, how's that been going with the grief work and the children? Cause they've been watching you. Have they been also? Well, that's a pretty hard one. You know, like they're older, like they're, like, they're not kids. They're, they're men. Like, you know, this yeah, is 29 and, and Rowan is 26. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, they were kind of like partners in loss in terms of like losing Nicole. Um, and I do have a lot of regrets because I wasn't really able, like looking back, I feel like I probably should have been there for them a bit more, but like I was just having, I just didn't have the ability to support anyone. I was just struggling with supporting myself at that point emotionally. So I think, you know, I, it's probably hard on them for sure. I mean, uh, grief is like ripples, right? Like in a pond, like the death is the stone that throws in and those ripples are the people closest and it goes outward. Like they were one step removed from the loss. Not that that makes it dramatically less, but yeah, yeah. You know, and as you move farther out, um, the loss is less, I guess. But, yeah, yeah. That's but I, you know, it's been hard for them for sure. And they've, like, I know that Rowan, my youngest, has also gone to some therapy to help him with that. Oh, good. Um, which I'm happy about, for yeah. sure. Yeah. I mean, it's like talking about your dad, it's interesting, because, like, the relationship I have with my own kids is so different than the relationship my dad had 
with his kids. Like my dad's generation, you weren't really friends with your kids, right? Like you just, yeah. like my dad was a whole other universe that, or like a planet that I orbited around, you know? And nowadays, I think people are just like, it's like we all are kind of living on the same planet. Um, you might be over there on that continent or whatever, but uh, it's a totally different vibe. Yeah, totally. Yeah. There's less murkiness. Like with my dad, there was always a like shadowy murkiness. Like, I don't even know. Yeah. His family. yeah. There was just like, what is that? Where does he go? Like, what happens? Like, you know, it's just like there was his life. There was, yeah. there, it was like a Venn diagram. Like, there was his life, there was a family life, and there's this little overlap. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we get stuff together, kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. And usually mom was around in there too. So it's like you don't get the full dad alone, anyways. Like, you're not. Yeah. Dad. I mean, and, you know, I think, I don't know what it was like for you, but growing up, like, I spent a lot more time with my mom than I did. Yeah. Especially for me, because I had a weird childhood in that I have three older brothers and they're all a year apart, but there's seven years or no, nine years between me and my next oldest brother. So they were like a cohort and in this big period of time and then I came along. So I had like, I had siblings, but I also was an only child because at some point they all left, right? And so I kind of had a little bit of both, yeah. which is wow. usual. Yeah. Yeah, like my kids and I are way closer in terms of knowing more about each other, like likes and like we share music and like all, you know, art and all this kind of stuff and clothes and fashion or whatever. Like there's yeah. just, it's a totally different thing now. We were talking about therapy and then I was like, oh, yeah, how your yeah, how your uh, your son, um, Rowan, was it? Isn't Rowan's very young. Yeah, okay. he's he he occasionally goes sort of went on a kind of basis. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I think everybody should, but yeah, in no. general. So. Oh yeah, that whole has that has to change. That has to be a part of yeah. it. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, I believe, anyways. Uh, but I've been hearing a lot about, and some people I know are joining like men only brotherhood groups. I put it in the notes cause I just, wanted yeah, to I saw that. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted to get your perspective on it. I don't know. I just, well, after I wrote it, I'm like, this is hilarious. I asked Jeff about this. I just feel this is going to be funny, but just how, like, cause I don't know. I've been suspect. I don't know why. Cause oh, yeah, I mean, groups exist too. So there's like a fine line, like where is the brotherhood support and we're going to be great to our women and you know um versus the men first men first you know groups There's oh yeah fine. right yeah no, so, you gotta be clear as to which which one of those camps you're referring to yeah and then i you mean don't really know until you go to the well, no and sometimes there's weird overlaps <laughs> like you know what i mean like yeah. Yeah. i don't know i mean what do i think about them like yeah. i do think that of all it's funny i was just talking to my girlfriend about this last night the you know we're in the midst of a dying empire, right? Like, it's just the beginning of the end. You know, it's going to take a couple of hundred years, but like, you know, cis white men, especially, have been the dominant, like, power structure in Western civilization, if not other civilizations, for forever, almost, in a lot of ways. And I think we're starting to see the end of that, right? Hopefully. Uh, so is if there's a group of people that need help in changing and navigating that change it's men you know heterosexual cisgendered men for sure because there's a lot that are going to be resistant to that they have a lot there's a lot that have a lot to lose or they think they have a lot to lose what they don't see is how much they actually have to gain from that 
uh, but that's down the road. So, I mean, any group that can facilitate and help that transformation, uh, you know, is great. Like, I mean, men's groups exist informally in all kinds of ways, right? Like sports, music, whatever, being a band, like those are men's groups predominantly. Yeah, so true. Um, they might not really talk about transformative things or emotional yeah. things in a direct way, but like, I think community is important and it's really, it just comes down to narrative, right? Like people's narratives are being rewritten in a lot of ways. And they can be either rewritten for you or you can have a hand in rewriting the narrative and your place in it. And that's a way more powerful place to be if you can yeah. actually be a participant instead of just having it done for you. Yeah, I've heard it. I can't remember who said it, but it's almost like stand nowhere to help those who are standing somewhere. Yeah. Stuck somewhere, you know, on, on one way of being or seeing the world. I mean, my personal feeling, I'm so, I think a lot of men kind of need to shut up mm. these days. Like, I think, you know, we've had decades and decades of male perspective and male stories and male storytelling. And I'm pretty happy to like sit back and not say anything. Um, you know, even like as a counselor in training, I question that, you know, it's like, I mean, I'm a middle-aged, cis, heterosexual, white dude. And I wonder, like, does the world really need more of those? Like, you know, I don't know. But I not mean, with your, your life experience, right? So. Yeah, I mean, everybody's life experience is different. And, you know, I am, one thing that I have thought about in terms of counseling is, like, is helping men figure their shit out. Uh, because I think a lot of them need help, you know. Uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, pretty much all of my emotional knowledge i actually learned from nicole like who was yeah. was you know she was a yeah. super emotional woman and like lived with it and like her and i hadn't kind of no experience and like she really basically kind of had to train me and i'm like oh like okay like you know that's how this is, works like you know it's weird <laughs> but i think a lot of men are like that like they just they don't grow up with like having to process emotions or being vulnerable and you know they're taught to tough it out and like or whatever and yeah john wayne style yeah and it's just part of the culture and we just you know it's so funny because actually you know saying the tough stuff and feeling the feelings and all that is actually more the strong it's way harder like that's the thing it's yeah. like it's like, way more balls than to, to, <laughs> to just it, like yeah. than to actually you know tough it out or whatever i don't know but, well i know like nicole is was amazing at cutting through the bullshit and i like yeah. again only had a uh, known her for a little bit of my life but i'll never forget the conversations with her they she just cut through the bullshit she looked yeah. you in the eye and she tell you exactly what she thought about you and what she felt i mean that and, that was both good and bad but <laughs> you live with her you know, yeah, I know. Like, it would the just the like and it was it was funny though she's hilarious too so it's a, like that's the thing that there's like the humor that has a big part to do with it. Even when we're talking about death and we're talking yeah. about with humor, it's almost like it, you can't not have the humor element in there somewhere. That's oh, like the human part, right? Like, I, I think a real male perspective is like, is to solve things, right? Like problem solving. And so like when an emotional thing would come up, I would always like try to intellectualize my way around it, like to solve it. And like Nicole was kind of the first person to say like, no, you just, 
if you're sad, just feel sad. I'm like, well, what do you mean? Like, that's it? Like, that's all there is? Like, yeah, that's all it's good for. Like, it's an emotion. Just feel it. And she didn't say those words, but that's the lesson that I learned, right? And it's like, oh. And it's still tough, you know. Like, I still find my brain goes like, oh, like, I'm depressed. And like, what's the reason? It's this blah, 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 blah. And like, no, you're just, you just feel sad. Like, just experience the emotion. And then you'll be through, you know? Yeah. And, and it just seems like, oh, that's too simple. Like, or whatever. But yeah. it's kind of that primal. Like, are you a Virgo by any chance? Are you born? Virgo? No, I'm a Capricorn. Oh, you're Capricorn. Okay, I actually know nothing yeah. about it. I, I don't know too much. About it. <laughs> it's just a stock question you ask everyone. <laughs> well, it, well, I know that Virgo is actually they overanalyzing because I'm one. So I was like, is it like the overthinking? Because I did like, what you were describing is exactly what I do. When there was something wrong, I'd like have to dissect it and go through you know, all the rooms in my mind to find some kind of like explanation for why I'm feeling sad or why I'm feeling angry or what. Yeah. And then once I get there, I'll press that, I'll see that or I'll feel that. And then it's going to be gone. Like right. that's the hope. And it's so the wrong way. Like, it actually works the opposite. I'm only just learning, you know, in school. I mean, this is, this is the foundation of like a lot of therapy, like cognitive behavioral therapy essentially is built on this premise, right? Like there's an emotional reaction which usually, you know, is combined with like some sort of a physical reaction. And then your brain kicks in, right? Like your thoughts start going like, what's happening? Oh, this is happening and that's happening and that's happening. And we've got to do this to make that go away. Um, but often what happens is it, it actually makes it all worse. That cycle, you get locked in this cycle of like, well, I'm going to like, I had a bad time going out. People don't like me. That's why people, that's why it was a bad time. I'm not going to go out anymore, right? I'm being pretty simplistic. Right. And then that just feeds back into the loop. Like, well, I'm not going to go out anymore because people don't like me because that thing happened, you know, and then that's how you, that's how your brain has figured it out for you, but it's totally unhelpful because that's yeah. actually not what's happened. Yeah. You know? Okay. And, and because you're, you're being driven, I guess, by the brain, the ego part, right? The part that like has to be right. There's a bit of righteousness in there too. There's a lot of things like your brain is often not your best friend when it comes to that. Right. Like, yeah. And we're often like, we confuse thoughts for feelings and vice versa a lot of the time, you know, like, you know, I feel they don't like me. Well, you don't feel that, you just think that, right? Like, that's not a feeling, yeah. like sadness is a feeling. And like, and men especially, I think, have a tough time with this, but it, it happens to everyone. Like, it's not a gender specific thing, so. Yeah. Cool. But anyway, yeah. So do you have any, now that, you know, these are great, I love the cognitive, psychotherapy angle because it's i feel it's so tangible i can touch it you know but i think about you know we just talked about how our brain goes through these rooms and does all this you know making up stories uh to fix it whatever i think about that there's a meditation that in tibet that they do where it's you go through this kind of like uh not a mandala but like you know those big thanka paintings the yeah. big green terra buddhas and there's all these like really tiny thing people all around them and stuff so this meditation is you're actually you look at it and then you you see it in your mind and you go through and you right. follow and you look at every detail of everything in the room as you go through in your mind right. and this and you go in and in and in and in and in and in and it goes like super tiny like the rooms in your mind or whatever in the right. the mandala that you're picturing or whatever it's called and i just think that's similar to like my mind racing but then with a meditation it's almost like you're doing a similar thing but you're using your mind to destroy your mind well, it's guided meditation, right? To a certain extent, like it's purposeful. It's purposeful thinking. Uh, 
which is different. And it's funny, like so many of those concepts are now creeping in more and more into like mainstream psychology and psychotherapy, like, mm -hmm. you know, guided mindfulness, guided meditation, yeah. these kind of things, um, you know, the use of psychotropics like mushrooms and yeah. things like that to help people deal with past traumas and, or whatever. Um, and I can, they're totally useful. I mean, these yeah. are techniques. So you think like psychedelics are useful and like microdosing oh. or whatever people are doing these days. I, I mean, you know, there's, I've read some, I've read the studies. I'm not a scientist and I'm not a researcher on that level. So I can't comment on that, but I, but personally think that like anything, even if it's placebo, which I'm a big believer of as a, as a treatment in of itself, yeah. even if it's a placebo, if it gets you to that place of clarity and allows you to tear down whatever that wall is great. Like, what does it matter? You know? Yeah. Um, and if you've got a microdose on mushrooms in order to do that, and whether the mushrooms are actually doing the work or you are is irrelevant, right? Like, yeah. if that's what you need to do to, to get there, then great. Then that yeah. works. There's a lot of placebo studies that are super fascinating. And the reason I'm interested in is that essentially psychology and, and psychotherapy by definition are placebos, right? Like they are the brain's power to heal itself, right? And, wow. yeah. you know, like it's, I'm not handing you a pill or anything. I mean, psychiatry does that, but you're there's, a a huge, there's, well, yeah. And there's a huge debate, like in pharmacology, like a lot of pharmacology has got pretty questionable efficacy, right? Like, mm -hmm. I mean, That's does it help people? Sure. It does. It's, I, you know, I know firsthand people that take antidepressants and things like that and they need them, but yeah. are there other ways? Probably, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I I know. Like even with um like THC now being, you know, the oil drops and stuff like that. Yeah. Like if I've got to clean the house or something, like I'll have like one. They have these little, you know, you can get the little whatever thing that comes with it. It's so easy now. Eh? It's yeah. so much better than back in the day. Getting weed was like the. Oh, I know. You know I'm still. I still find it hard to accept. Like like walking through the Glebe, there's like six weed stores now and it's still weird to me like it's just like what like you can just, like you can just walk days. in and buy weed like that's it like it's so weird to me i still haven't done it but you know you it's done like, it oh you got to do the experience it's hilarious it's like yeah I, it's yeah it's like going to the apple store like it's just weird to me you know like <laughs> let me help you and uh, there's a selection and i'm like this is not how this is supposed to be but so funny it's so uh, yeah i mean it is just imagine our like the 20 year olds they have no idea they had no idea the pain and suffering that we had to it's, it's crazy how normalized it got like so fast right like yeah. i feel like it was just last year they're talking about this and now like boom they're everywhere like yeah and and people uh, i think maybe there's a lot of people that weren't telling people or something because it's they're so popular it's crazy yeah like clearly people need to buy weed so <laughs> amazing and lineups and yeah. everything like even without covid there's there was lineups like there's lineups know. you know what i mean like it's it, uh anyways uh but i i love it i'm happy for it i think it's great that's, that's one so getting back to the death thing like just talking about it more with people you know and and um making that more of an approachable su subject for people um and it's funny because i'll do shows i do parties and there'll be lots of dads that are um that feel comfortable to come up and talk to me and like tell me their life story and stuff sometimes sometimes a beer or two would be had um but sometimes not and it's it's like the 
and they'll ask very personal questions of me and, and, and things like that and spirituality. And I remember um, having one experience where, I don't know why I did this, but my sister had passed away and I had a party booked for two days from after she passed. And I still went to the party and did the birthday party. And right. it was completely like, uh, like out of body experience. Like I didn't, yeah. I was watching myself do it and I was yeah. fake, smiling, doing yeah. all the stuff. And then uh, a year later or two years later, the same family hired me again. And I went back and I saw them. I opened the door and I completely broke down. Like, oh, wow. I just like, and I had to take a few minutes. I said, I'll just be right back in a minute. I go in the car. I forgot something. And I just bawled in the car for like, oh, wow. I was late for the party. Yeah, it was weird. Like everything just, uh, the memories of uh, being resistant to that moment. Yeah. yeah, it all came back. And then I, I ended up going and doing the party and having like the, a really good time because I guess I, I released something or something, right? But again, it was, yeah. it was a weird experience. It was a weird experience because I guess I hadn't really looked at the, you know, I thought, oh, I could just power through, you know, two days after my sister passes, I'm just going to go and it's all fine. Yeah. And I think that's really a good, it's kind of indicative of my whole mindset around death at that time. Just whatever, move on. Well, it's huge, right? Like, it's so vast that it's hard to see. You can't see the edges of it. And so you don't understand the tidal wave that's actually engulfed you. It's what I, my own feeling, my, looking back on like the last five years, right? Like, for me, it's just, it's, it's such a huge thing to cram, to try to like absorb mm -hmm. that physically don't have the capacity to absorb it all. And so you're kind of like, you're kind of you shut down like you know in a lot of ways like time especially gets really messed with uh in grief there's actually i did a whole paper on in my undergrad on on there's a lot of sort of papers and research that's been done on people's perceptions of time like you know there's a thing called depressive time uh time during grief like time moves at a different pace during grief and like for me I felt completely disconnected in time. Like I felt out of step with everything and everyone. Like, you know, like I looked around and things were familiar, but they weren't right. Like nothing was right. You know, it's like if you were time travel from like the 1800s and you like showed up today, you'd be like, oh, well, those are houses and those are people, but this is not what I'm used to. It was that kind of weird feeling. And that took like, like two years to like, for me to kind of come back into sync with the present. Like, you're, you're kind of thrown out of yourself and it's just a really strange experience. Yeah. I mean, in terms of resources, like in terms of books, like I don't, the one that comes to mind is a classic book by this guy, David Kessler. It's called the needs of the dying, okay. which is a pretty great, pretty easy to read book on like, like end of life experiences and what to do uh, for people that are dying, especially. Cool. Um, but beyond that, like a great book is Viktor Frankl. I don't know if you've ever read Man's Search for Meaning. I'm just looking at my bookshelf because it's right there, but yeah, yeah, yeah. that's a great book. He's a, he's a survivor of a, a concentration camp. He's a psychiatrist. And it's basically, he kind of founded this thing called logotherapy, which is now called existential therapy. But basically it's like how to find meaning in life. It's called Man's Search for Meaning. And he basically documents like kind of the horrors that he, went through and the things he had to do and like what do you do with that like how do you find meaning out of this like what's the purpose of this it's a pretty great book 
Yeah, that um, sounds amazing. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, definitely check that um, out. Yeah. All I can think of is like when I was uh, like thirteen, like we didn't, we weren't a very spiritual household growing up, but my parents, my dad especially, had a very antagonistic relationship with organized religion. Um, so it wasn't, it wasn't even on my radar, like until I was like 10, like I didn't, I had no concept of like the Catholic church or religion or anything, yeah. but you know, they were products of like the early seventies. So we had Alan Watts. I don't know if you've ever read any of him. Yeah. yeah so the way of Zen and the book, like, I still think those are really great books as a yeah. primer for like Buddhism and sort of things like yeah. that. And that they're easy favorite. to read. Yeah. He doesn't actually, it's weird. I don't. He doesn't get talked about a lot. I don't know Alan why. Watts? Yeah. Alan Watts? Yeah. He should more. I, I mean, I follow I the, the, the Be Here Now uh, podcast. It's the Ramdas guy. That, yeah. You know, and he, he did some things with uh, Alan Watts. So they, yeah. they had a kind of mashup of the two of them. And yeah, just like really cool stuff. And just, uh, yeah, that was my foray into, uh, like through Jack Kerouac was the Alan right. Watts. Like, that's right. kind of where I made that connection and Allen Ginsberg mm -hmm. kind of brought more into the Hinduism side of it too. But talking about being more open, having your heart more open. Um, another thing we've been open and kind of into is since my sister passed was communicating with the other side. Right. So feeling, I actually feel like I'm closer with my sister than when she was here. And if you yeah. can, like, she's seven years older than me and we were tight. We were like, she yeah. was like a second mom and we were really tight and everything. So it's not like it, I'm closer, but it's different. There's, yeah. this is a different feeling, but we, Allison and I both feel her. I feel her differently all the time. And she's communicated like straight up. Like I believe in ghosts now. I didn't really before, but I've felt the ghosts. I've heard the ghosts. I've, yeah. you know, it's, it's too much of a coincidence now to say that it's not that when, when lights go off or, or things, you know, happen in the house or you know, for sure. Yeah. Like, I don't know if you've had that experience or if you've been like felt anything like that with you. I mean, yes and no. Like, I mean, I definitely communicate with Nicole all the time, like almost on a daily basis. I remember like in the, in the room when Nicole died, like her best friend was there and she's like, well, where does she go now? And she's like, well, she's, she's in, in us now. Like that's like reality is perception. Right. And to a large extent. And so, that's where she lives like and to a certain degree that's where she's always lived like the nicole that i saw and knew is going to be different from the nicole that you saw and knew because that's your perception right like how does does any of us actually exist without someone else to actually perceive us you know like does the tree yeah. fall in the forest kind of a deal yeah and that doesn't go away when someone dies because your perception of them is kind of their whole existence for you especially right so like when you said before you have kids or before you experience death. Oh you yeah. No, you don't know. Yeah. Right? And then you experience it. So it's kind of like, I didn't know you just, I'm going to miss Gail forever. That's my sister. Oh, right. It's just going to be so sad, but it hasn't really been like that. It's been more like a deepening relationship with her. Cause I'm not gone. And like sure. you said, well, it's, it's, it's in my it's mind like anyways, but you are, there's touching something. There's like, it's not, I don't know. There's something going on there no it definitely it's really interesting i mean all of that like i think about it a lot you know like whether you call it ghost or whatever it's kind of irrelevant what you call it it's like i said it's it comes down to your narrative right like however you want to tell that story it doesn't matter but foundationally like even if you look at it from a scientific point of view right like 
energy never goes away, it just transforms, right? So when a human being dies, what happens to that energy? And like, so where does it go and how does it become something else? And like, okay, physically it can incorporate back into the planet or whatever, but you know, what is the soul and who is a person has so much to do with the people that perceive them and their interactions and relationships with everyone else in their lives and like the time and points in time that they've touched other people or whatever and vice versa. So. Wow. I, don't know. I don't have any real answers and I'm not sure it's relevant to even have answers like but yeah. I agree with you like there's definitely something there for sure something yeah yeah and everybody's gonna deal with that and process that in a different way and that's all fine so yeah it's cool it's so cool because like you've obviously thought about this a lot and you've experienced it um and now you're you know being willing to share it I think that's the difference between our parents generation or our dads around they didn't have first of all the opportunity to even process what was happening to really <laughs> i never had this single conversation with you like yeah they both lost their parents and they would tell the story in a very sort of like well this happened and then she got sick and then blah blah, blah. and i'm like oh and, you know but totally devoid of any emotional content it was just yeah. like here are the facts kind of thing you know and <laughs> wow yeah like bullet yeah. points Wow. Yeah, I, you know, and, and maybe they thought as a kid, I couldn't, it was too much and you didn't want to like, but yeah, I don't know. Mm. I mean, I think kids are pretty smart, right? Like, that's, that's the thing. Yeah. So. And it's true with grief and children. We talked about it a bit when my first experience with death was with my granny at when I was nine. Right. Feedback here. Sorry. Um, 10, nine or 10. And uh, we were, I was told to go outside when she was in her dying moment. So I right. stand outside and everybody, all the adults were gathered around. Even my 11 year old cousin was in there and I had to stand outside by myself while they all cried and bawled as she gave her final breath. It's, it's a strange it? idea, right? Why like me from that, you know? Yeah. Like, how are you ever going to learn about being sad? Right. Unless you're allowed to experience sadness and see other people processing it or, or loss or anything. Yeah. Well, that's why I think people, like, it's important what you were saying about ad advocating for that time, you know? And yeah and the, making sure people do it the way they want to do it. Cause there are so many different ways now we don't have to, you know, you can be in a, yeah. in a tree, right? Like your ashes can go. Yeah. It's like all kinds of, I mean, not at all. A lot of that stuff's available to us quite yet, but it's there and it's okay. coming. So well, we just, that's funny you say not available to us yet. Cause I had a feeling I'm like, is this in Canada? I don't know. But yeah. A lot of it's not, I mean, you know, there's a lot of regulations or whatever around dying and yeah. whatever. Well, we, but. I thought I was going to get in trouble for burying our, our rabbit Coco in the, in the forest here. I know. You know, from the city, I'm like, uh, we're not allowed to do that. But so, and that's another, yeah, Coco, that's another loss. He's 12 years old. Right. And he kicked the bucket this year, um, just very peacefully in his sleep. Um, and so, again, made me think about grief work with kids because wanted them to be there. We had a little ceremony. We brought them out, sure. you know, buried them together, put a plant on there. The three-year-old Nova, she still says, oh, Coco's in the hole. He's in the hole outside, you know, so we can go talk to him outside. So it's just a funny thing on Coco and Nova. So she was napping, and we knew Coco was going to die soon. We could feel it. He wasn't right. doing so well. And she was napping, and Coco was in the other room. And when she woke up from her nap, she says to her mom, oh, uh, first thing that comes out of her mouth, she just sits up. She's like, Coco's dead. And wow. Allison's like, okay. Oh, and he came to my dream. And said that I'm going to be a pop star. And, so, and she sings all the time. That's, her thing. That's so great. 
so then Allison's like, um, uh, can we go check on Coco? And sure enough, he had, he was gone in that moment. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, during her nap, it was so cool. amazing. Yeah. yeah. That's the thing. Like you said, if it's all in here, anyways, we can we can have our stories and uh, you know, and that's okay. Hey Derek, have you ever do you know biocentrism? You ever heard of that biocentrism? I've, no. Okay, no, you I should go check that out. It's okay. uh, I'll send you a link. I'll send you a link to something. It it'll blow your mind. It's about okay. it's basically about what is reality, and it's kind of a alternate way of trying to explain the universe. Like it's a, you know how physicists are always trying to find a unified theory of everything. Mm-hmm. Well, this uh, biologist has been has come up with this idea. It's like no, they've been going around it all backwards. It's actually like this. I can't explain it to you because it's too complicated. I barely understand it, but it's a really great read. I'll send right. it to you. Yeah, please do. Yeah, I, I think you might like that. my mind blown. Yeah. yeah. Well, thanks again, Jeff. This is so amazing, and I think. Um, a lot of people are really going to benefit from this. It was great to reconnect with you. Totally. And, uh, yeah. and to do this. And thanks for doing this.